In East Africa, low-income households can't easily afford energy solutions to power their homes and devices, relying instead on the fumes of kerosene or simply remaining off the grid. But one company has been working hard at lighting the way forward. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change Magazine. On today's episode, we speak with Jesse Moore, co-founder and CEO of MCOPA, providing pay-as-you-go solar energy products. With the use of mobile money, over 500,000 households are now powering their homes with solar panels. We caught Moore at a busy Kenyan airport before his visit to Toronto, where he'll be speaking at the Social Finance Forum. He shared with us the MCOPA story, its achievements, challenges, and its future plans. As I said, I'm, I'm from Toronto originally, um, and my first sort of proper job out of university was with CARE, uh, the large international humanitarian charity, yeah. CARE Canada specifically. Yeah. And... Um, wasn't the first job I did there, but over the years we started getting interested in uh, the idea of sort of business solutions for the same mission that we had as uh, a charity. Um, and so we started a business unit for a couple of years that actually was based out of Toronto called Care Enterprise Partners, uh, and uh, and basically tried to turn some care projects or um, some activities around the care kind of ecosystem into businesses. Yeah, uh, and we did that with. I'd say, you know, relative success. At least one of the businesses in Bangladesh is still running and doing very well today. But uh, there was a lot of, you know, struggles and failures in the, those first years. And, and uh, I think a major reason of that was I personally didn't have a lot of experience in business. So um, I went to do an MBA, which was at the uh, business school at Oxford. Uh, that is. Uh, there's the School Center for Social Entrepreneurship yeah. there. So I was very fortunate to have my degree uh, you know, sponsored by the um, school scholarship. Nice. Um, then to kind of fast forward over the next few years, I through business school and thinking about what I really wanted to do, I, I felt that I wanted to work in the private sector. Ideally, I wanted to start something, and it would involve uh, leveraging technology uh, in a emerging market or developing world context to both be a huge business opportunity and a profitable business, but also something that would impact lives in a really transformative way. Um, in in the period sort of right after business school, I got involved in MPESA, which is the very famous and successful mobile payment scheme that is now huge here in Kenya yes. um, and going into other markets. Uh, I, I get no credit for it. I was just kind of right place, right time and was a part of the team uh, as a consultant for uh, basically the summer and then worked on mobile money in other markets for the next few years. But where we eventually got to the point of starting something uh, was in 2009. Uh, I partnered with um, the guy who started them, Pesa, myself, and another friend from business school to do what we're doing now in Mkopa. And moved down here in, well, about seven and a half years ago with my now wife, nice. uh, who's also from Toronto, who's actually a former CBC journalist. Um, yeah. So we lived here for the last seven years and, and started this company, uh, or I started this company. Um, with a couple others, and, and that's, that's the story. 
Great. And so, um, and to get a, a better sense also in terms of the challenges that were on the ground at the time when you, like what, what made you think that MCOPA would be um, a good idea? Like what type of challenges was it trying to address on the ground in, in East Africa, in, in Kenya, where, where you were situated? Yeah. Well, so uh, having worked on MCOPA and realizing that um, what you have really in that is a, uh, is like a mobile payment solution designed for unbanked, i.e. for people to, which enables them to quickly move money around uh, in real time. Yep. And uh, we, we, we knew that well enough. And basically our, our business plan started with the idea that we could leverage that platform. Uh, we didn't want to compete with it, but we wanted to leverage mobile payments and deal also with the similar customers that were unbanked. Uh, and, we, you know, we'd done some work before sort of separately in solar um, and knew that there was emerging, you know, really good technology that could, um, like solar power technology that could work in areas where people lived on low income and off the electricity grid, which happened to be the same customers as Zempesa. Hmm. The problem, though, for solar as, uh, and solar powered systems has always been the affordability, right? Um, which, you know, is obviously a pretty evident you know, issue, but if you're living on a low income, well, even if you're living on a high income, most people don't buy their own power power solutions and right. you know, take care of themselves off the grid. They have to uh, they provide as utility. So we sort of married the idea of utility payments um, and PESA solar power and put it all together into what is in COPA. And, and we exist to ultimately save our customers money um, by... Uh, helping them get off of the expensive and dangerous and dirty substitutes of kerosene and batteries and other uh, forms of sort of uh, what we would typically use as off-grid substitutes for energy. Mm-hmm. Um, we will provide our customers for a reasonable deposit uh, with a working solar home system that then they can pay back to us over time through daily installments over the untested system. And the uh, real magic is that if they don't pay or uh, for, you know if they don't pay for their system at any point, we can remotely shut the system off and then we can turn it right back on again in an instant when they do pay. Um, so we've got this sort of remote metering capability, which makes it all hang together. Interesting. Uh, and yeah. We started in 2010 with about 500 pilot customers. Um, that went well. We moved to a sort of a Series A investment round in 2011. Mm-hmm. By 2012, we were at tens of thousands of customers and. Fast forward again to 2017, we've uh, connected almost 600,000 homes wow. uh, to these solutions in East Africa. And all over East Africa, or are you particularly situated in, in, in one area? Yeah, kind of all over the region now. Uh, we're in Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania Okay. Uh, with our own offices. We, we've got about 1,000 employees wow. uh, across those three markets and an additional 1,500 independent salespeople who, who basically work for us full-time, but on a commission basis. So you could say we've created about 2,500 jobs uh, in East Africa over the last six years now. As a that's, that's not bad at all. That's, that's very impressive. And so um, what would you say you're, you're most proud of in terms of what you've done? So, you know, what I'm most proud of, I mean, ultimately the – biggest source of pride is going to see a customer and, and speak to them and, and understand how our products have changed their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, I think, always the prerogative. And even if um, you're looking at it from a business perspective or you're looking at it from more of an impact perspective, you know, product 
and a service that they value uh, and they tell you, you know, makes them better off is, is a really rewarding yeah. uh, part of what we've done. I, I also think we have, and I have a lot of pride in the fact that we started an industry which is now actually quite a bit bigger than just us. So we have a number of competitors and there's a whole ecosystem developing of others doing similar type of stuff. So it's it's nice to be able to sort of look back at what we've created and think that we've pioneered um, something even bigger. Uh, you know, there's companies doing what we're doing now in Nigeria and, and India and other markets. So um, I think we're part of something quite big. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I would say is it's really rewarding to walk into the office every day. And, you know, in Nairobi at our headquarters, we have about 400 employees and the culture and the sort of the great business that we've created uh, and the jobs that we provide to our staff and you know, the opportunities for growth and everything else, I think are, are also really rewarding. Mm-hmm. And what about um, the challenges and, and, and whether in, in terms of scaling up or growing and, or just meeting the demands on the ground, what would you say are the, are the biggest challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, uh, well, the biggest challenges would be staff. Uh, to a large extent, you know, growing so fast mm-hmm. from zero to, you know, 2,500 people, if you define it for our sales agents, I think that's always a challenge. I don't know if that's unique to us. I think that's probably any company that, you know, grows this quickly. Yeah. Um, there's also the challenge of balancing expectations because we really want to do a lot. We want to we want to help uh, the lives of low-income customers. We want to build a very profitable business. Uh, we also, you know, want to do it in a way that benefits the environment and we're doing it in not the easiest, you know, environments of, uh, in terms of the, you know, right now Kenya is going through a pretty hairy election process. So we're mm-hmm. working in conditions where things are a little bit uh, challenging sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think it's, it's often hard to, to even myself to remember like, okay, we, we can't build, uh, well, it wasn't a build in a day and it takes, takes a fair bit of time, um, but we are, making progress and that's actually our core company value is progress so i always tell the team and even when staff start on the very first day and you get the chance to give them an orientation briefing i say you know if there's one word that you need to know and breathe and live at Mkopa, it's mandaleo mandaleo is the swahili word for progress and i just tell everybody that if we go to bed every night feeling like we've made some progress uh compared to where we were in the morning that's all that matters yeah. Uh, you know, there will be bumps in the road and we'll go forward and we'll go backward, but we have to just continually pursue getting better, getting better with the product proposition, getting better with, you know, our training, getting better with, uh, you know, our revenue, like whatever it is. It's all about just perpetually pursuing progress and knowing that in good time you will end up in the right place. And any challenges with, uh, well, you said you mentioned Kenya, the political situation. Is that is that any, or or just general socio-political situation? Is it, is it created any other additional challenges for you um, that make it even harder on a day-to-day basis to continue with that progress? Well, you know, Kenya has actually been a really good place to start a business. Um, you know, a lot of people wonder how corrupt is it, and you know mm. how difficult is it as a place to do business. Um, it's it's certainly you know, got its problems, but it's progressing um, really, really well. And I, I would, I, actually, there's a lot of activity now happening in, in Kenya specifically um, because it's getting more and more stable. And so we do have an election rerun going on. Yeah. Um, there's been a little bit of violence in the news, but we really hope and I believe that we're dealing in a country that's, um, you know, that's moving from 
sort of developing status into very much middle-income status and will be a real leader for the region. Mm-hmm. I'd say when we talk about the other countries we're in, you know, the neighboring ones, again, we can't think that. Um, and we are, you know, we've piloted and looked at opportunities in, in other countries, certainly uh, regulatory environments, taxation, um, you know, even how difficult it is to get work permits if you wanted to have... You know, if we wanted to send some staff from our current operations into yeah. the country, those things are frictions, um, yeah. which probably are a little more, well, you know, then you have Brexit and other things going on in, in other parts of the world. So none of it's completely different. It's just sometimes magnified. And I'd say, um, you know, if I, if I say over the last five years, you know, that the tax treatments for solar have been fairly inconsistent across East Africa. So we've had some periods where we've had to increase our pricing simply because, you know, a local government has reinterpreted something and decided that, you know, what was previously uh, exempt from tax, which was a renewable energy product, is now, you know, being looked at differently. And uh, that kind of stuff is a little tricky to, to, yeah. to navigate, but you just have to, uh, you know, expect that as part <laughs> of the journey of, of working in a market like this. And uh, as one of my co-founders often says, it's, it's the same, the, those sort of challenges are the same reasons why there's huge opportunity yes. uh, for a business like ours. Absolutely. Um, and I just have one last question for you. Um, and that's about lessons, sure. lessons learned. Any, you know, whether as a social entrepreneur or as a social entrepreneur specifically trying to work where you are or any, anything that in the particular area that you've chosen to work in, anything that comes to mind? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I think for any entrepreneur, um, social or otherwise anybody who's doing something entrepreneurial it's and this is not advice that's new for me it's advice that's been handed down mm. from almost every entrepreneur they'd say it's always going to take twice as long and be twice as hard right you know and, and the kind of targets you think you can achieve you always you you must always pad for something to go wrong mm-hmm. um, and so whether that's the expectations that you set with investors the amount of money you raise or you know what you tell the team um you have to balance this sort of this pursuit of a dream and something that's really audacious because that's what inspires people to want to work with you and be a part of it. At the same time, you've got to handle the downtimes when things don't go to plan and, and how to pick your stock back up and, and you know keep pushing. Yeah. So I'd say that's the, the single biggest one. I, I, I think in the domain of you know social entrepreneurship and, and uh, not to sort of get into something, but I, I seldomly use that word to describe uh, uh, our business and yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. Not not because I I have an issue with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, again, I went to Oxford for the MBA, and you know, there was a scholarship for social entrepreneurship. So I certainly uh, value it a lot. <clears throat> but I think the there is a little bit of a tendency to mm-hmm. um, compromise the business aspect um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we talk about ourselves as, as a social business. Right. You know, to really to really emphasize that we're trying to build something that's sustainable in every way. And sustainability yeah. means profitability. It means yeah. being able to get into the black. It means being able to pay salaries. It means being able to return, you know, um, capital to investors in time. So I think for the entrepreneurs who are trying to work on social issues, it's really important to define, um, you know, what, what your view is and what you're trying to achieve from a business perspective and um, and then find the right kind of investors who can uh, believe in you and, and, and the company or the organization you're trying to build and you know they may, may not even care about profit or they may you know have lower expectations profit or they may have high expectations mm-hmm. um, but 
being clear how you where you sit on that kind of spectrum uh, is is also something that's important to do. And we've changed. We've we've uh, morphed. I think as an organization with our scale, we now have you know fairly large uh, institutional private equity investors and big banks, uh, and that's been important for us to be able to do what we want to do at the scale of hundreds of thousands of homes and millions of people. Uh, because they have the access to the biggest amounts of capital. Uh, yeah. It's also where we think we can eventually even go further, which is take a company like ours to you know, a public listing one day and have it be backed on the stock market and have it be rolling into many markets in the same way that uh, mobile telephony has happened in, in mm-hmm. Africa. So mm-hmm. uh, you really have to pick your spots and, and you know, tell your investors, here's what I want to achieve with your money, here's why, and then you know, ultimately make sure you stick uh, as close as you can to that, to that plan. That's great. Where, where do you see yourself in 10 years? So we, we've, um, you know, we've set the goal of taking this business to, you know, really great heights, both commercially and socially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to get to where we want to be as a business, and we, we use the definition of a billion dollar company, uh, not because, you know, we necessarily want to be billionaires, uh, and I don't think we will be <laughs> by any stretch, but, you know, the, the idea of building a billion dollar company means you have serious capital and serious scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, to be a billion-dollar company, uh, you know, there are obviously a lot of companies that are billion-dollar in valuation but not there on, um, on a profitability basis. Right. Uh, so what I mean when I say a billion-dollar company is certainly something that's profitable and sustainable and able to attract capital to keep growing. Right. Uh, in terms of where we are, you know, we're, we're starting something that's very much, I think, rooted and homed in Kenya um, and now expanding into East Africa. But we would really want to see our solution in other markets as well. So... Uh, you know, other parts of the world and, and hopefully diversifying also the types of solar solutions we can offer because there's plenty that we can do. Uh, we have had to stay focused uh, mm-hmm. as much as possible and execute on things um, one step at a time. But we aren't, we aren't short on growth. We're short on uh, getting it done. And uh, building a great company is, you know, what we're, what we're all about. Okay, great. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Lisa. Okay, Bye. you too. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa.